Well, good morning. I see it in your eyes. Everybody's like, oh, great, Bill's back. <laughs> I saw it. Hey, I just want to give a shout out and a great thanks to Chris, to Tony, to Dwayne. I mean, they did a superb job. I loved their messages over the past few weeks. Weren't they awesome? I mean, they were amazing. I really appreciate their efforts and what God spoke to us through them. It was a great time away, a refresher for me and my family, and also a time for us, <clears throat> for me just to break away, pray, and just do some exploring on what God is driving us towards this coming year. I'm so excited with what I believe God's going to be uh, saying to us over the next few weeks, months, and year, and I'm excited for what God's about to do through us here at Impact. So make sure you saddle up, you get ready, because this is going to be an exciting year. God is on the move. And so with that being said, in the seat in front of you, in the seat back, there's a little card that says, say yes. If you are not plugged in and a part of our team, a ministry team in some way, we need you, whether it's in the kids' ministry, tech team, safety team, cafe, guest services team, you name it. There are so many ways that you can serve and be a part of what God's doing here. Let me tell you something. When you allow God to use you, you just don't experience him within you, but you also get to see what he does through you in the lives of other people. And it's an exciting opportunity. So if you're not plugged into one of our ministry teams, we would love to have you. Fill out that Say Yes card. Put it in one of the offering containers on the way out. Or you can online, you can, you can uh, mention to some, one of the hosts right now. We would love to get you connected. But right now as we begin this new series, if we could ask God one question, let's go ahead and pray as we prepare for this. Father God, thank you because you are good. And Lord, it just seems like so often we are overwhelmed with questions that sometimes go up, but the answers just don't seem to come down. Lord, in this moment, help us to put away in defensiveness. Help us to see you clearly and to hear you. Lord, because you are good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So today we're starting this new series, If You Could Ask God One Question. And I bet it's safe to assume that many of you are sitting here thinking, I got more than just one question. In fact, we, some of our team members this past week went on the streets in our community and asked some people, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And we're going to do some more of those. And I hope that you're connected with our Facebook page. If not, go on to Facebook right now. Look us up, Impact Pittsburgh, and, and like us. And um, see what's coming up this week because I'm going to be answering some questions from those people on the streets that have asked us. And you may have some questions that we can't get to in this message series. Go ahead and put them in on, on the Connect card. I'll try to get through as many questions as I, as I can. But you got to go on Facebook to see some of those questions throughout the week, this week, next week, and the following weeks. So feel free to throw out those questions. Try to stump me. You probably will because I don't have all the answers, but I'll do my best to answer some of the questions that you have. But it's going to be an exciting time as we see what God has. Because let me tell you something. God's not afraid of your questions. I don't care what people may assume, God is not afraid of your questions, and here in Impact, neither are we. Because we need to explore our questions to seek the heart of God to experience the fullness of who he is. And we can never fully experience him if we don't deal with the questions we have. All throughout the Bible were people full of questions, full of doubts, full of uncertainties, and they went to the presence of God and they experienced him. If we can't do that, too, we miss out on all that he has. Not only does, is God not afraid of your questions, he invites your questions. He invites them. He wants you to come to him. Why? So that you can experience his heart and so that he can fulfill 
all of his love within your own heart. You know, one of the top questions that always pops up when you go on the streets, you ask people what's one question, it's the one we're dealing with right now. In fact, some of our team members were in the streets of Swickley this past week, and this question popped up. How can we know for sure that there's life after death? I'll be honest, this is a challenging question. Why? Because it goes beyond the physical world that we live in into the spiritual world. And at some level, to answer this question, I'm not going to lie to you, there needs to be an element of faith. There needs to be an element of faith that's based upon trusting in who God is, what he has said, and how he has come through. But let's be honest with ourselves. Every one of us in some avenue of our life lives upon faith, what we believe. Just explore your life and look at things in your life where you have to rely on faith to move forward with whatever that is. Whether you're getting on an airplane, jumping in an Uber crazy car ride, or whatever it may be. Also, did you know in, in algebra, you have to rely on faith in algebra to follow through on all of the theorems and, and, and mathematical equations that they have. Because you have to believe in certain parts of the algebra theorems in order to move forward. If you don't believe those things to be true, you can't move forward in algebra. So often throughout our life, we live by faith. Our belief drives our behavior. So let me ask you this question. As you explore your life and as you see things in your life, if you're honest with yourselves, yes, in this part of my life, I have to believe. I have to trust on faith to, to move forward in this part of my life. What is holding you back from believing God? What is holding you back I'm walking by faith and trusting him in who he is and who he says he is. We do in so many other aspects of our life. What's holding you back here? Because this question is crucial. Is absolutely crucial in our life. You know, looking at this question, how can we know if there's life after death? Let me ask you this. Because we all wrestle with this, but to answer this question, what really bears the burden of proof? At some level, we have to decide what bears the burden of proof on what side of this question I go on. I mean, I can either go say, I believe that what God says and live my life in the belief that there's life after death, and I go that way. Or you can sit here and say, I don't know if I really believe that. I don't know if that's really true. Or maybe it is true, but we really can't answer what it is. And so since I don't really know exactly what it is, I can just kind of live life my way based upon my standards, my truth. But what really boils down, what bears the burden of truth? Because let me ask you this question. If you lived your whole life and you said, you know what, I can't really explain life after death. I'm not really sure if there is life after death. And so since I don't know, I'm just going to kind of live life my way and do my own thing and live by my own standards. And then you die and you find out that all this is true, that there is life after death. Guess what? You just lost everything. You just lost everything. But let's say if I go through my whole life and I believe that there is life after death and then I die to find out, nope, wasn't true. This is it. What did I lose? See, I believe by living with the idea that there's nothing beyond this life, you're risking so much more. You're risking eternity. This question is so crucial 
is so crucial for us to answer and be honest with. We cannot escape this question. We can't just say, I don't want to deal with this question. We have to because this question is so critical to our existence. This question is so critical to our way of life and who we are and how we move forward in this world. And to answer this question, I think we all need to get to a level of where do we agree on. Because whether you're on the side with, I believe there's life after death, whether you're completely on the opposite spectrum that I don't believe this, I just think it's a fairy tale, it's all made up, or you're somewhere in the middle with, I don't know, I don't really care, and you're somewhere in the middle. We all have to start somewhere. So let's start somewhere where I think we all can agree upon. Fair? Let's start with this uh, answer. I think wherever we're at, we can all agree that death is certain. Death is a 100% guarantee. Last I checked, the death rate is still 100%. Don't don't mean to be morbid. Don't mean to be Debbie Downer. Don't need to put any of you guys in a depressing mood today. But someday you're all going to die. I said it. It's going to happen. And every one of us knows it. And I know sometimes we don't want to think about it. Sometimes for us younger folk, we think it's further down the road that maybe sometimes it really is. But someday... We're all going to die. And all throughout history, mankind has tried to figure out at what point does death occur. Because back in the 1800s, 1500s, did you know they accidentally buried people alive? Oh, they're dead. Let's bury them. Oh, nope, they're actually alive. That, that would stink. That would not be fun. So all throughout history, for that very reason, they tried to determine at what point does a person die? Scientifically, we know physically you are dead when your heart stops beating. And so when your heart stops beating, that is the point of death. But in its most basic sense, death goes beyond that. Death is the separation of your physical self from your spiritual self. That is what death. And so when your spiritual self separates from your physical self, you physically are dead. And all throughout the Bible, throughout the Gospels, that Jesus talked about death over and over again because he knew this is the point of my existence. This is why I am in this world. And I believe that we can trust in Jesus. We can trust in Jesus because of the prophecies that were fulfilled in his lifetime, in who he was, how he died on the cross when he rose from the grave, the fact that the tomb was empty, his victory over death. I believe that we can trust in his words. And there's an interesting story in John chapter 11 when Jesus was in Bethany. And there, a very close friend of his named Lazarus was sick and died. And they called for Jesus to come, and he took his time. Do you ever feel like that? It's like, Jesus, can you come help me? And he's taking his time. Like, can you just answer the question, please? Sometimes I think Jesus just takes his time because he wants to reveal himself to us. And that's what he wanted to do here. He took his time and finally showed up four days later. Lazarus was already in the grave for four days. Mary and Martha, his sisters, were pretty ticked off. Jesus, we knew if you would have been here, he would have been alive. Everything would have been good. We could have been having a party. But instead, we're here outside the tomb because of you. That's basically their attitude towards Jesus that day. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, that's why they felt towards Jesus. And Jesus began to talk to them about who he was. See, they were missing the point. You all are so focused on this death that you didn't realize there's something beyond that tomb. See, what I give is greater than what anything you could ever imagine. Stop just focusing on this death. 
we focus, we get so concerned about one day I'm going to die. How can I save myself from not dying in this world that we miss out on the reality that this is just, this is nothing compared to the second. Everything we do now is for the beyond this life. And Jesus said, listen, stop being so worried about this, this death. You're all going to face it. And then Jesus looked them in the eyes and said these words in John 11, verse 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asked one of the most profound questions he ever asked throughout the whole Gospels. One of the most important questions we will ever have to answer in our lives. Jesus looks at them in the eyes and I feel he says it to us today. Do you believe this? That was a loaded question in those four words. Do you believe there's something beyond that tomb? Do you believe that I am victory over what is beyond that tomb? Do you believe that although you may die in that tomb, I give life beyond that tomb? Do you believe that? And I feel that Jesus, just like on that day in Bethany, he's looking within our own hearts today, asking the same fundamental question. Do you believe this? Do you believe what I provide? See, in our world, we try to rely so much on what we already know, on the physical. But here's the reality. Science is completely limited to the physical. We try to prove based upon what we've already known and what we've already seen. And science is a, does a great job, is, is wonderful at proving and affirming who God is, the order of his creation, how everything flows together, and when death happens, that death occurs when the heart stops beating. Beyond, but beyond the physical, science is limited. We can trust in science and rely on science in the physical realm, but beyond that, it doesn't help us. At some point, we have to have faith that goes beyond based upon what we know, based upon what we see, based upon uh, what we see in the physical world. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 1 verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Paul's right in there. He's saying, based upon the order of creation, based upon how we see God working in this world, how he designed this world, we don't have excuse. Because what we see physically, we can trust what we cannot see spiritually. That's what he's saying. God showed us his true nature, the reality of who he is through the order of creation, through science that affirms his creation and who he is. And we can rely on those vis visible, visible qualities to trust in the invisible qualities of his spiritual world. Life after death, life after the heart stops beating. Do you believe him? Do you believe him? You know, one of the things I find so fascinating are death experiences. Not that I see death as fascinating. I don't. I'm not looking forward to the day that happens. I hope I just fall asleep and, whoo, there's God. That'd be cool. But seeing people's encounter going from the physical to the spiritual world, 
is amazing. And you know, all throughout history, scientists and, 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 and people, not just Christians, but people in the secular world have really tried to study, to learn, and to understand the death experiences and near-death experiences that people have. And there are so many documented near-death experiences that have occurred all throughout history. In fact, a man by the name of Robert Burchard with the uh, New York Academy of Sciences wrote an article called, What Can Science Tell Us About Death? And there he wrote about near-death experiences that he had studied and talked to and, and learned about. And he, and he learned that all those, those near-death experiences that they studied all had similar experiences. It's not like, well, this guy had this certain thing and this woman had this experiences. No, as he talked to all these different people from all walks of life, from all around the world, had similar experiences. They don't all experience exactly the same thing, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But they all had equivalent experiences that they had. Some of them, life would slow down and they would be able to examine their whole life. Or they would see things from a different perspective. And he said one of the most amazing things this guy wrote. He said one of the most fascinating things. And he wrote in his article that he cannot explain. Is that the people that were studied and talked to was how. They were able, in their near-death experiences, see life through the lens of somebody else that they loved. That they could see, as they reviewed their life, the choices that they made, the actions that they committed to, and how those affected those people, good and bad. How they saw people in the waiting room crying over them. And he was just, I can't explain this. And it was just fascinating to see this man in the science world just talk about this experience. In March of 2017 at the University of Virginia Medical, they hosted a lecture dedicated to 50 years of research on the afterlife. In this lecture, they discussed how all the patients had similar situations that they went through. Many patients were on the verge of death, experienced almost their life slowed down, and then like a panoramic view, they saw their life flash before them. Good choices, bad choices, and the consequences of that, and what that meant. Many of them had change of feelings like fear turning into peace. Many had reports of seeing colors that they never saw before, hearing things that they never heard before, and experiencing something that they never experienced before. Many saw past loved ones or biblical figures. And he said that they, in this, in this, uh, in this uh, lecture, they talked about how all these experiences were similar. People from all around the globe, all different backgrounds. And what was really fascinating, he said, was the different cultures, how they viewed things. You know, for example, you've heard like the light of the tunnel. In some Western cultures, they'd be going through a tunnel. In African cultures, it was a different thing, same experience, but based upon their cultural view. But they're seeing the same thing. It was just fascinating what they saw in the lectures. And another wild thing that they saw were people who were interviewed in the early 1980s were then interviewed again 40 years later. The purpose of this was, did their stories change? Did, did anything adjust? Did, is their story still reliable? And all across the board, these scientists learned, not only did their, their stories stay the same, but they remained reliable. Isn't that fascinating? If you ever talk to people who work in hospice and, and being with people at the point of death, 
You know, they, I've heard stories of how people who have given their life to Jesus versus people who have lived apart from Jesus and the different experiences, some experiencing peace and others experiencing torment. And one of the most amazing stories I've heard was about co-founder of Apple, Steve Jobs. He died a few years ago. And when he was on his deathbed, he had himself surrounded by all of his family members. And his sister told of the story. She said she would call them all around his bed and he would stare into their eyes. He locked into their eyes, almost understanding in that moment what mattered most. It wasn't anything else except for these relationships. And then the sister explained how as he was looking into their eyes, just before he died, his eyes turned to the wall behind them. And as he gazed out into the distance, his last words before he breathed his last breath were just simply, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And then he died. Now, we can't say for sure what exactly Steve Jobs saw as he looked out into the distance the moment he died. But I believe that in that moment, we witnessed a man who for the very first time saw the spiritual world. He saw something that his eyes have never seen before. And we see that so often with people in that moment. You know, I believe with all my heart that based upon death experiences and near-death experiences, what we see in the order of creation and what is proven through science through the order of creation and the truth of God's word, I believe with all my heart that we can stand on solid ground knowing that there is life beyond this life. There is something beyond this world. And so with that being said, the next most important question, if you believe that, is then what happens when I die? I mean, if there's something beyond this world, what is it and what happens when I die? That's the second most important question that you really have to deal with as we talk about this, this, this overarching question of how can we know there's life after death? Because what happens when we die is based upon the choices we make in this world. The lives that we live right now make a difference beyond this world, beyond this life that we live in right now. And to, to understand life after death, we really have to go all the way back to creation. We will never fully comprehend life after death if we don't understand creation and how we were created. You see, God created everything that is. The pleas, the trance, the, uh, the trees, the plants, the, the stars, the, the, sad, the, the, the planets, everything that is out there. And then his most prized creation was you and I. And the Bible says that we were created in God's image. Those are powerful words that we cannot ignore or overlook. Everything that happens throughout the Bible all stems to this very important reality. What does that mean? If you don't know what that means, you miss out on everything that God wants to do throughout the scriptures and what he wants to do in your life, not just in this world, but life beyond this world. In Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27, he said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, 
over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. You see, this very verse... This fact that you and I were created in God's image is what separates us from everything else in God's creation. Animals, we know they have personalities. We see distinct personalities within animals, but they are not created in God's image. So what does this mean? You see, his image means that you have an eternal soul. That's what it's all about. That's what separates us from everything else. God created us physically and spiritually. Within us, there's a soul that lives eternally. Your soul was created for a connection with God. Your soul was created with a need for acceptance and, and affirmation and love that was supposed to be fulfilled by the reality of God. This, my friends, is why morality is so important. This is what separates us from everything else in this world. Our morality is intimately connected with our eternal soul. And God sets forth an absolute moral standard for us to live by. That's why it's so vital for us to understand what God says, how we live, how we follow him, what it means to connect with him, what morality is. Because this is ultimately what either connects us to God or separates us from him. It's our eternal soul. We were created in God's image. We're going to dive into this a lot more next week. I hope you join us next week as we answer the question, do all good people go to heaven? Another important question a lot of people ask. I hope you come back next week as we dive into that and we talk more about that question. But when our physical body dies, our soul doesn't actually technically die. It moves on to a different experience. And how we live, what we choose in this world determines what that experience will be. So our choices now affect what happens after we die. And like I said a moment ago, all throughout the Gospels, read it. Jesus talks so much about our experiences after we die. What happens? There's no way that we, don't, we cannot have that question answered. See, Jesus said there's two options, heaven or hell. Jesus said these words in Matthew 25, verse 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. In this one verse, Jesus' very words identified, after you die, there's two roads. Both are for eternity. Both, there's no turning back. One is eternal punishment, dying over and over again. And one is eternal life. You see, I know we don't really like to talk about this, I know we like to try to sidestep it and can we just move on and talk about the good stuff, but we need to be honest with this. See, my friends, hell is a real place and God doesn't want anyone to go there. That's the biblical truth. God doesn't send you there. God did not create hell for you. Hell was created for Satan and his demons to righteously deal with them. 
and also became the place for those who choose not to follow Jesus, well, they'll end up. But make no mistake about this. It's littered all throughout the scriptures. God does not want you there. He desperately loves you. He desperately desires you to experience more. But if we choose to walk away from him, we choose to walk away from what he provides. The Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be <clears throat> consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. See, this is the reality that God's showing there. Multiple verses all throughout Scripture that reveal this moral standard that God provides. That's why creating God's image is so important for us to understand and recognize the spiritual understanding of our connection with God. And here's the truth. Don't miss out on this. We've all fallen short. Every one of us, myself included, is guilty. Every one of us deserves hell because we went away against God's moral compass. We went down our own path. And Jesus described hell as a place of eternal fire. He talked about where there's constant weeping, there's torment, there's pain. Hell is a place of regret, fear, and hopelessness. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says this, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And the worst part of hell is not the crying, is not the pain, is not the anguish, is not the, the inter, all the constant suffering. You know what it is? It's going through all that in the reality that you will be separated from God for all eternity. Here in this world, when you have pain, you have the opportunity to go to the presence of God. In hell, it's over. You will never experience his presence again. You've walked away from it. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. Like I said, hell's a real place, but God does not want you to go there. The good news is that heaven is a very real place. And that's exactly where God wants you to be when you die. When your soul separates from your physical body, God desperately desires you to be in heaven in his kingdom with him. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, when you surrender to him, when you follow him, God says you can experience everything that I offer, everything that I have. You have new life. You are a new creation. I so desperately want you in heaven that I sent my son into this world to die so that you may live. That's how desperately I want you there. I went all out for you. I don't want you separated from me for eternity. I want you with me. You see, heaven is an amazing place. We completely are healthy and whole. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. In heaven, we are in the presence of God for all eternity. We are at home. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 4, He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You want to get a picture of heaven? Just go to Revelation 21. It is the most descriptive picture of heaven that you will see. 
as the author of Revelation tries to put the idea, uh, put the reality of heaven into our own words, he describes heaven as a place where God's glory lights up the entire city. There's no need for sun or stars or the moon because God's radiance lights everything up. And he said that heaven is so huge. It is 13, over 1,300 miles wide and just as long as it is wide. There's a wall that surrounds the entire city that's 200 feet high with 12 gates all around it, surrounded by pearls. And the wall is built up by some of the most precious jewels that you could ever find in this world. And then down the center of the whole city is the river of life. This river that starts from God's throne just goes all the way through the the entire city of heaven, all 1,300 miles long. And on the side of the river is this beautiful tree, the tree of life, full of some of the most amazing fruit that you could ever find. And the Bible describes in Revelation 21 that in heaven there's no more curses, there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more hurt, no more sadness. And one of the final things that Jesus ever said in the Bible, in Revelations 22, he said, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus himself said, those who surrender to him will experience his kingdom for all eternity. Those who don't surrender to him will be on the outside looking in. We'll miss out on it all. And going back to what Jesus said to Mary and Martha and Bethany in John 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never but die. Do you believe this? What about you? The question he asked Mary and Martha all those many years ago, he's asking us today. Do you believe this? Yeah, there's an element of faith, but our faith is backed up by the reality of God proving himself all throughout creation. Do you believe this? Do you believe there's more to this life, more to what's beyond this life, and that you can experience so much more? You see, I think the real question that you need to answer is, what are you risking? What are you risking if you say, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if I'm going to walk with this. I'm just going to kind of do life my own thing. You're risking eternity. You're risking so much. God doesn't want you apart from him. He wants you to experience his kingdom that he's building for you. John 14, Jesus said, I went back to heaven to prepare a place for you. When you give your life to him, when you follow him, he's preparing a place for you. And that kingdom, you got your own little beach house, or maybe it's a river house because it's a river. But how do you answer that question? Do you believe this? It's the most important question you'll ever have to answer in your whole life. 
because our belief drives our behavior. If you're here today and you're saying, Bill, I believe it. I, I never understood it before, but I believe. I want to follow. I want to experience his kingdom for all eternity. If that's you, on your connect card or online right now in the chat, you can just say, I believe. Just put on your connect card, I believe. Put them in the offering containers on the way out. And we would love to follow up with you to explore what are some next steps for you. Or if you need to talk to somebody today at the Engage Impact booth at the back of the auditorium, someone will be there that would, they would love to talk to you, answer some questions that you may have, and help you explore what does this mean for you. But don't leave today with answering this question. Do you believe? And then what does that mean? What does that mean for you? Because it will change everything. It means everything. So do you believe? Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, in this moment we just come before you. And Lord, we know that we can't fully comprehend everything because the spiritual world is so beyond what we know in the physical. But Lord, in this moment, in this moment, may we hear you. Lord, I pray that right now that you speak to us clearly. Help us to hear you in ways that we maybe never even heard before. Help us to see the reality of who you are in, your, in the visible qualities, in the creation order that you've, you've done. And may that cause us and help us to trust who you are beyond what we can fully comprehend. Lord, help us to see the reality of your life beyond this life. And Lord, may we just believe and follow you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.